0: So when you hear that cry in the sky...
1: Our Miss Brooks, starring
2: Eve Arden. Our
1: Miss Brooks is an English teacher at Madison High School. She can tell you everything you need to know about the present and past subjunctive, but she's not at all sure about the future. That is, her romantic future with biology teacher Philip Boynton. <laughs> the Columbia
3: Broadcasting
1: System presents a new comedy. Mom?
4: friend, Irma.
3: Starring
0: Marie Wilson as Irma, and Kathy Lewis as Jane, with John Brown as Al. <laughs> Quiet, quietly. Hello. <laughs>
5: if it is, Mr. Raleigh. There is someone waiting who will hurry up
3: and rescue you this call. <laughs> and now, here <laughs> <maybe>, is <laughs>
1: My Friend Irma, created by Cy Howard, transcribed from Hollywood, and starring Marie Wilson as Irma, and Kathy Lewis as Jane.
4: As you know, the average IQ is about 110. 110. Let me introduce you to my roommate, Irma Peterson, a girl who only came close to 110 when she had a fever of
3: 99.
4: (laughs) Oh, what's the use? I give up. Irma, what are you talking about and where have you been? I'm talking about my homework assignment for my night school class. I've been up on the roof counting people. Counting people? Yeah, they want to know what the population of New York City is. <laughs> <laughs> Honey, this might seem like the hard way to you, but if you'll just look it up in the World Almanac over there... Wait, wait, never mind. Never mind, I'll do it. Uh, here it is, here it is. Eight million fifty-three thousand. Gee, I was off, I guess. How many did you count? Sixty-two and a half. He's tying his shoelaces. (laughs) People do everything to confuse me. Jane, can I have that almanac? Why? Oh, well, I have to learn uh, places of interest in New York. Be my guest. Thank you. Now, let me see. Uh, Places of public interest in New York? The George Washington Bridge. The George Washington Bridge has one of the longest suspenders in the world. That's suspensions, honey. And incidentally, did you know that the George Washington Bridge has enough cable to go around the world twice? (laughs) Well, if I was going around the world, I'd want to go by boat or plane. I wouldn't want to go by cable. (laughs) (laughs) No, honey, try and follow what I'm telling you, will you? One end of the bridge is anchored in New York, and the other end is anchored in New Jersey. If you tell me it's to keep the river from getting wider, I'll scream. Uh... (laughs) Well, Jane, you don't have to learn these things. Now, let's see, uh... The Empire State Building is over a thousand feet tall. Yeah, that's right. And on top of it, there was a mooring mast for a dirigible. Oh, well, if I moved in, I'd want to use the elevator. Uh, Yeah, I'll (laughs) tell him. Now, let me read what other places of interest there are in New York Statue of Liberty, Central Park, Wall Street. What do you know about Wall Street? Nothing. You know how it got the name of Wall Street? Because a lot of the stock can be used for wallpaper? (laughs) (laughs) There have been times when that's a very good answer, you know that? No, Irma, the name Wall Street actually Come in. If
1: you don't mind, it's me, Maestro Vondekin. (laughs) Hello, girls. Do you mind if, if I come in and hide?
4: What's the matter, Maestro?
1: I'm, I'm running for my life. Spring has come to Mrs. O'Reilly.
4: <laughs> no fooling. Yeah, it's,
1: it's no joke. You should see her fluttering those eyelashes at me. They look like two caterpillars caught in the air conditioner.
3: <laughs> oh, my
1: darling, what are you writing? A letter home?
4: No, it's my homework. Maestro, uh, why is New York City called the melting pot?
1: Oh, well, that's because people of all nationalities come to live here.
4: Oh, that's a cute reason.
1: Yeah, no, I mean we have people living here who are half French and half Swedish, or part German and part Irish.
3: Louis, woman <laughs> with all
4: <those> Sounds like Mr. O'Reilly.
1: Yeah, yeah. There's another example of the melting pot. You see, she's part foghorn and part elephant.
3: <laughs> if it wasn't for powder
0: and her store-bought hair. One, one
1: thing I, I will say, her hair isn't store-bought. She just dips a mop in ketchup and puts it on.
4: yoo <laughs> Anybody at home? Come right in, Mrs. O'Reilly.
6: Hello, girls. Well, Miss O'Reilly, what a lovely new dress. Oh, it's the latest thing. Flowered prints, you know. How do you like it?
1: Well, I didn't know century plants bloomed this time of year. <laughs>
6: Is that so? Well, I'll have you know this happens to be an original Paris creation.
1: What do you know? You learn things every day. Frankenstein was a Frenchman. <laughs>
6: Maestro, I'm warm Now,
4: now, yes. wait a minute, wait a minute. It's too beautiful a day to spend it here refereeing a boxing match. Why don't we all get out of the house? You know, go on a picnic, huh? Oh, I can't, Jane. If I don't bring in my homework, my teacher will be angry. You can do your homework while we're having the picnic.
6: Oh, that's a splendid idea, Janie. Good. I have some cold turkey and potato salad in my icebox. box. No,
1: no, no, nothing doing. Now, I wouldn't eat that turkey. Why not? Because that bird died a horrible death. <laughs>
6: What do you mean?
1: He ate the potato salad.
6: You didn't complain about it yesterday when you had it for your lunch.
1: Well, I, I didn't want to hurt your feelings. As a matter of fact, the only thing good about that meal was the iced tea I found in your icebox.
6: I'll thank you not to drink my henna rinse. <laughs> Listen, the
4: two of you, we'll take care of the menu I have, um, I have a smoked ham, some pickles and some coleslaw And some wonderful mushrooms with good juicy stems Can I bring the sponge cake I made? You made a sponge cake? Yes, and I had to bake it for hours Those sponges never melt <laughs> No, Irma, we, uh, we, we can do without it uh, Mrs. O'Reilly, you bring the coffee, huh? And Maestro, you bring the blanket? Yeah, all
1: right, I'll bring the lace curtains
4: I said a blanket
1: yeah, The lace curtains have less holes in them
4: right. <laughs> And Irma, let's see, you bring written... What's the matter, honey? Well, what if you're all so busy at the picnic you won't be able to help me with my homework for night school? Well, what do you want to know, Irma? Well, I have to learn
6: about interesting places in New York. Oh, I know them all. Well, now, wait a minute. Let me write it down. Well, my favorite place is Central Park. That's where I met my me first husband, Clancy. He was riding one of those boogies, and I was... And you were pulling it. <laughs> he still. And then, Irma, does the... The Holland Tunnel. Oh, I've
4: already written something about uh, the Holland Tunnel. The Holland Tunnel goes from New York to New Jersey under the Hudson River. It was built for people who love the water but can't swim.
3: <laughs> yeah, do you mind
1: if I get a glass of water from the kitchen?
4: Help yourself. Oh, that must be Al. Hello? Is that your mom? Oh, Professor! From California? Yes. Oh, Professor, how are you? Every night I say a prayer for you. You do? Yes, I say, please take care of the dear old professor and let him be happy in California, but someday bring him back to America.
3: (laughs) Oh, Emma,
0: how I miss you.
4: Did you get the little gift I sent you last week? No. Well, I didn't know what to get you, and I read about a place in Hollywood called the Brown Derby.
3: Yes?
4: Well, I mailed them a check and told them to send you a hat. I'm
0: at the Brown Derby is a restaurant.
4: <laughs> oh, Professor, you and your jokes! Uh, a friend of yours wants to say hello. Here she
6: is. Oh, hello, cutie.
4: I think you
0: have the wrong number.
6: Now, Professor, tell the truth. Are you homesick?
0: Yes. Every time I think of the home you gave me, I get sick. Oh, you
6: don't know what you're missing. You should see me. Why people say I get younger every day.
0: Well, that I can believe. You do get younger every day, but all oh, the years you put on at night.
3: <laughs>
6: Indeed. Why, now I have a figure just like a girl. You
0: mean the girl we saw at the circus who lifted the elephant?
6: <laughs> oh, you're such a kidder. Really, I'm much slimmer. Well,
0: tell me, what size dress do you wear now? A 12? 40? 60? 80? 20? We will now move to the tenth
6: department. <laughs> Mr. Riley. Yes, my dear.
0: While I got you on the phone, will you please stop bothering my cousin, Maestro Wanderkin?
6: Bothering him? Why, the man's madly in love with me. He is? Yes, whenever he comes near me, he likes to stroke me under the chin. (laughs) This is only because he's afraid
0: you're going to sing and he wants to be able to grab your throat. (laughs) Leave him alone, will you?
6: Oh, you're jealous. I'm
0: not jealous. And if you stop bothering him, maybe someday I'll invite you to California.
6: Oh, do you think I'd like it out there?
0: Yes, and you know out here your chances of getting a husband are much better.
6: They are?
0: Yes. Someday the smog is so thick a person can't see your face. (laughs) (laughs) Goodbye.
6: Oh, he loves me. Well,
1: what did my cousin Professor Kropotkin have to say?
6: Oh the usual thing. He's so crazy about me, can't bear being away from me for so long.
3: <laughs>
6: but don't let it worry, you maestro, darling. Worry? You're here and I always say, first come, first serve. <laughs>
1: this is the worst restaurant I've ever been in. Come in. Hello, folks.
4: Hiya, chicken. Oh, hello, Al, honey. What are you doing? Uh, this is my homework.
1: That's my chicken. Won't be long. I'll have the smartest girl in the block.
4: Al, I'm supposed to name places of interest in New York. So far, I have George Washington's Bridge, the Empire State Building, the Holland Tunnel.
1: How about the battery?
4: Well, where's that? Downtown. Oh, thanks. Now, let's see. I'll say, um,. The battery is downtown, and the rest of the city uses A.C. and D.C.
3: <laughs> no,
4: chicken, no. Miss O'Reilly, Maestro, will you get the things for the picnic? Mm.
6: Picnic? Oh, yes, and we're going to have fun. Wait until the Maestro and I hide in the tall grass. <laughs>
1: in the tall grass. Huh? I'm going to bring the biggest lawnmower you ever saw. Boy,
6: <laughs> well, I could
1: stand a good picnic. Hey, we could all drive there in my car.
4: Your car? Yep, borrowed it from my pal, Joe Does it have license plates? Yeah,
1: Joe made the license plates himself Gene, <laughs> is there a state called Pencil Tucky?
4: <laughs> Pencil Tucky? Not unless it's between Delaware and Pippi. <laughs>
3: well, I
1: guess it's a foreign car It's the one you drove, Chicken
4: Irma drove? Yeah, didn't you
1: know? I've been giving her driving lessons on the QT.
4: So that's it. Oh, Jane, aren't you excited? Just think of, of you riding and me driving. Yeah, that should go well with Mrs. O'Reilly's potato salad. <laughs> oh, don't worry, Jane. Uh, I'm a very careful driver. When I'm at the wheel, I have one eye on the car in the back of me, the other eye on the car in front of me, and the other eye on the road. <laughs> Irma and Al are in the front seat. Mrs. O'Reilly, my shawanderkin, and myself are in the back seat. The three of us have been sitting back here with our eyes closed. Relaxing? No. Waiting. You see, Irma is driving, and we're praying. (laughs) Hey, wait a minute. Irma's got her eyes closed, too. Irma! Yes, Jane? What's the idea of driving with your eyes closed? Well, in case I go through a red light, I could tell the cop I didn't see it. (laughs) Will you please keep your eyes on the road? All right. Gee, I... I've been driving such a short time, and I know everything. You do, huh? What are those two white lines close together down the middle of the highway? That's for motorcycles. (laughs) No, that means you can't cross over. Yeah, but in some places, the line's broken. You know what that means? Are they ran out of paint? (laughs) No, chicken. There you can pass. Oh, why did I ever get this idea of a picnic? Oh, Jane, you'll have a nice, relaxing day. You need a rest. Now... Hold on tight, everybody. I have to step on the gas and go fast. Why? I have to get up on that bridge ahead of me with those other cars. Bridge? Irma, that's a truck carrying five new cars. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder why the bridge kept moving.
1: Chicken, take it easy. You just went to a stop sign. Uh, please, Irma, uh, we're, we're a little nervous back here. And Mrs. O'Reilly keeps grabbing me because she's afraid we're going to hit another car.
6: <laughs> if I'm going to go, I'm going happy.
3: <laughs> uh,
6: Will you please
1: take the wheel or shall I take poison? Okay. Uh, Chicken slow down. I'll take over.
4: All right. Oh, this is beautiful country. And, and I want to make some uh, some notes describing it for my homework. Can anybody tell me where we're going? Jean, I told you, it's not far from here. I saw this place yesterday when I was taking my driving lesson. It's out in the country all by itself, and it's so peaceful
6: and quiet. All right, all right, let's go. Well, can't we put the top up? My hair's blowing in all directions.
1: Yeah, yeah, but I don't think we should go back and pick it up. (laughs) escape proving grounds, Lieutenant Erickson speaking. Oh, yes, Colonel. I see. 154th Regiment will report for attack as scheduled. I see, sir. Repeat the order, sir. The Regiment is to take Ridge 54. Target area is encircled with white flags. Zero hour is three o'clock. Right, Colonel.
4: to three when do we get to this beautiful spot where I'm going to find peace and quiet oh it's right over there to the right you'll know it when we get there there's a lot of little white flags stuck in the ground I think it used to be a miniature golf course but I guess it didn't do any business
0: ah there it is
1: chicken right in front of us I'll pull in here
4: oh isn't it beautiful
1: well everybody out ah this should be a day we won't forget
4: well it is certainly peaceful and quiet here i bet if you took a nap here, you'd never get
6: up And look, maestro, a daisy I'm going to see if he love me He loves me, he loves me not He loves me, he loves me not He loves me!
1: Oh, that's too bad you picked a loaded daisy
6: <laughs>
4: <laughs> Well, let's
1: get the food out, huh, chicken? Give me a hand
6: You kids do the work, huh? Oh, I just want to lie here and relax. Go ahead, Janie. Take it easy. Just let Kathleen O'Reilly take care of everything. You feel peppy, Mrs. O'Reilly, don't you? Peppy? If I'd any more energy, I'd explode. (laughs) Uh, I think she did. What was that?
1: What Uh, was uh, that? uh, Maybe it was uh, thunder.
4: Hey, come on. If that's thunder, I don't like the size of the hailstones. Kids, we're being fired upon. Irma, where did you take us, Fort Sumter? Now, off your shirt and wave to them.
0: It's not a shirt, it's just leaves.
4: Oh. Come on, will you? Don't stand there. Take cover. Everybody, everybody get in back of Mrs. O'Reilly. They're coming towards us, the whole American army. Hey. Hey. Hey, you can't do this. We paid our income tax. Oh, look at all those men coming toward us. Stop, men. Stop. Speak for yourself, Janie. Hey, what are you
7: people doing here?
4: Oh, believe it or not, we came for the peace and quiet. Yeah, fine thing. I bring my friends here and you try to kill us all.
1: You are not in any danger, miss. I wasn't? No, we are using dummy ammunition.
4: I resent that. <laughs> oh, well,
6: you certainly have a lot of fine-looking young soldiers here. Please, Mrs. O'Reilly, keep away from them.
1: You are what is known as far and beyond the call of duty.
4: <laughs> well, you say, you
1: brought all these people here?
4: That's right.
1: May I ask you how you knew about this place?
4: Oh, I have my ways.
1: Well, I think you all better come along with us. Army intelligence will want to question you. Oh, no. All right, that'll be all, Maestro Wunderkind. You may wait in the other room. Uh, Major. Yes? I I know that when you questioned Mrs. O'Reilly, you found she was completely innocent. That's right. Yeah, well, you've been very kind. And to show my appreciation, I'm going to send you a picture of Mrs. O'Reilly. Uh, You see, someday you'll thank me, really In in case of another war All you have to do is mail her picture to the enemy And I guarantee a full retreat (laughs) (laughs) Will you please wait in the outer office with the rest? Now, send in Miss Jane Stacy Yes, sir Uh, uh, Janie, I'm coming, I'm coming
3: Uh,
1: Miss Stacy?
4: Yes
1: You're an American citizen?
4: Yes, sir, I am
1: And you arrived at the Proving Grounds quite by accident?
4: Yes, sir, that's right
1: I understand Miss Peterson is your roommate. Yes. She seems a little incoherent. Do you think it could be shell shock?
4: Well, only if the stork that brought her carried a cap pistol. She's been that way ever since I've known her. Uh,
1: Would you please send her in?
4: Gladly, sir.
1: We'll have to be on our toes with this one, Lieutenant. The dangerous ones act the screwiest to take you off guard. Right, Major. Major.
4: You sent for me?
1: Yes. Uh, Miss Peterson, where were you born? Minnesota. What part?
4: All of me. <laughs> no, what city? No city, it's a farm. Oh. Uh,
1: what I told you, Lieutenant. I'm on guard. Good now, Miss Peterson, what brought you to the proving grounds?
4: You want me to tell you the truth? Of course. A 1929 Essex.
3: So,
1: why did you come to that particular place?
4: Well, you see, I had some homework to do for my night school And Jane had a smoke ham, And we didn't like Miss O'Reilly's potato salad So my aunt was giving me a driving lesson And that's why we came here
1: You know, I talked to a guy who fell out of his plane Without his parachute Who made more sense than she does
4: <laughs>
1: Miss Peterson, what did you say about homework? May I see it?
4: Nothing doing Our teacher doesn't like anybody to copy from us
1: Miss Peterson, would you please show us any written literature you may have on your person?
4: I will not.
1: We may be forced to search you.
4: You're not frightening anybody. I happen to work for a lawyer, and I know the law. You can't search anybody unless you have a certificate saying, this property has been condemned. (laughs) Miss Peterson, may we have the papers? Well, now that I've made my point, yes. But I tell you, it's just my homework.
1: Well, you let me, Judge. Places of interest in New York. George Washington Bridge, Holland Tunnel, the Battery. She names all the vital strategic areas, doesn't she? She sure does. What does she say about them? The George Washington Bridge built to connect New York with New Jersey so the river can't get wider.
2: (laughs) Holland Tunnel
1: for people who like water but can't swim? (laughs) Battery is downtown, rest of city uses A.C. and D.C. Doesn't make much sense. Gosh, Jane, they've had chicken in that room for three hours now questioning her. I hope she's all right. It's
4: not her I'm worried about. It's our army that's in (laughs) danger. I've seen strong men go in that room and come out nervous wrecks. (laughs) Of all the places to choose. But, Your Highness, I've told you a dozen times. That's my homework.
1: Stop calling me Your Highness. (laughs) Sprechen (laughs) Sie (laughs) Deutsch, (laughs) Frau Lein?
4: Gesundheit. Sir, either
1: this woman is amazingly clever or diabolically stupid. Well, I've sent for this Mr. Clyde, the man she says is her boss. We'll soon find out. Oh, what about the code? Any luck in breaking it so far? No, but it's broken several of our best men. (laughs) Miss Peterson.
4: Yes, Major?
1: If you plead guilty, we can be lenient with you. Otherwise, you know the penalty. Hanging.
4: You couldn't do that if you wanted to. Why not? I'm not allowed to be absent from school anymore this month. <laughs>
1: if this dame is a spy, we ought to hire her. This is the greatest act I've
4: ever seen. Uh, that'll be enough out of you, Colonel. I'm a lieutenant. Well, I didn't know you'd been promoted. <laughs> so now, look, all of you, the potato salad is going to spoil. Will you and if please you be so... still? Well,
1: Lieutenant? Have copies of this code been sent to Army Intelligence, the Pentagon Building? Yes, sir. Any results? Yes, sir. They're all trying to join the Navy.
3: <laughs>
1: uh, Mr. Clyde is here. Oh, send him in. Will you please come in here, Mr. Clyde? Yes, yes, of course. Miss Peterson, now what have you done?
4: I just went on a picnic.
1: She always has simple answers for great tragedies. Now, Mr. Clyde, this woman is in your employ. Yes, but I don't understand. Would you mind looking at these papers? Uh, Not at all. uh, George Washington Bridge. Suspenders. Holland Tunnel. Hmm. Battery, AC, DC. Very good, very good. What do you mean, very good? Well, I've been her boss for six years now. This is the best work I've seen her do. (laughs)
2: Hey everyone, it's OTR Rob, welcoming you to our Miss Brooks. This episode is way down the list, about May 6th of 1956, and Robert Rockwell is playing the role of Philip Boynton. Jeff Chandler left the program in the end of 1953, I believe, or the uh, first half of 1953. So I was on Wikipedia trying to look up Robert Rockwell to find out something about him, and I was shocked to learn that his birthday is the exact same day as my birthday, October 15th. Although he was born in 1920, he was born 30 years before me, so. I thought that was kind of astonishing for me any major actor ever to have the same birth date as mine. So that's pretty neat. Robert Rockwell took over, who was just as handsome as Jeff Chandler. And he may have been taller than Jeff Chandler. His voice was similar, but not the same. Of course, I don't think anyone could really copy Jeff Chandler's voice. He's so distinctive. But anyway, so this Our Miss Brooks is called The New Girl... And it's from May 6, 1956, and enjoy this, and next week I will be bringing you the second episode of Our Miss Brooks, from October 24th, so enjoy this.
8: Now it's Our Miss Brooks, starring Eve Arden. Well, most women hope to meet the right man someday and settle down for a lifetime of wedded bliss. So it's been with our Miss Brooks, who teaches English at Madison High School. When she first met Mr. Philip Boynton, Madison's biology teacher, she felt that here at last
2: was just what the doctor ordered.
9: That was six years ago, and Mr. Boynton still hasn't read the prescription. In fact, lately I suspected that Mr. Boynton was carrying on a flirtation with someone else. At breakfast Thursday morning, I voiced my suspicions to my landlady. Connie Brooks, are you inferring that Mr. Boynton has found greener pastures? I can't tell you whether they're greener or not until I find out where he's grazing. (laughs) But there's one consolation. I'm not the only female at Madison who's having boyfriend trouble. Several of my girl pupils are complaining, too. You mean
6: there's an epidemic of infidelity?
9: An epidemic named Dolores Roberts. She transferred from another school
6: a couple of weeks ago. Isn't that the girl Walter Denton mentioned the other day? The one he referred to as Madison High's answer to the (laughs) H-bomb?
9: That's her, all right. I don't know what school she transferred from, but I'm sure of one thing. They had a whale of a course in manhandling. My goodness. (laughs) She sounds like a little pepper pop. Oh, that must be Walter Denton to pick me up. Come
10: on in, Walter.
9: Uh He's such a sweet boy. Good
10: morning, Miss Brooks. Mrs. Davis. Well, it's Harriet
9: Conklin. This is quite a surprise,
10: Harriet. Walter called and said he couldn't pick you up this morning, Miss Brooks, so I drove by. Oh, that was very considerate, Harriet.
6: Would you like something to eat? Oh, no, thanks. I've had breakfast. Uh Then if you'll excuse me, I've got to clean up in the kitchen.
10: See you later, dear.
6: Bye, Mrs. Davis. I'll just
9: finish this sip of coffee and get ready, Harriet.
10: Before we go, Miss Brooks, there's something I've got to discuss with you.
9: Oh, what is it?
10: It's Walter Denton. I'm worried about that boy.
9: I don't blame you. The way he eats, he's digging oh, his yeah. own... <laughs> <laughs> got
10: nothing to do with that, Miss Bush. It's
9: this new girl, Dolores Roberts. I think he's
10: infatuated with her.
9: Why should he be an exception? Most of the male youth at Madison are making goo-goo eyes at her. But I wouldn't worry about Walter if I were you, Harriet. I'm sure it's just a passing fancy.
10: I wish I could be sure of that. But there's only one way I can be, and that's if you'll do me a terrific favor, Miss Brooks. Me? Yes. If I talked to Dolores about Walter, it wouldn't do any good. She'd probably just laugh at me. But if you were to discourage her about him... Uh, Now,
9: wait a minute, Harriet. You know I don't like to mix into the personal affairs of any of my students.
10: But this girl isn't even a real student yet. She's just looking the place over to see if it'll suit her. Oh, you've got to do me this favor, Miss Brooks. After all, you're sophisticated, worldly-wise. Knowledgeable, charming, beautiful.
9: I tell you what, I'll do, Harriet. (laughs) You keep talking to me, and I'll keep talking to her.
10: (laughs) There's Dolores now, Miss Brooks, in front of the school, in the center of that crowd of boys. Well, I'm going in now, Miss Brooks. Remember, I'm counting on you to straighten things out for me. Oh, but Harriet, I. Of Miss Brooks.
5: Oh, great.
9: Dolores is in the center, and I'm in the middle. Oh, uh, Dolores. Dolores Roberts. She's
10: right there, Miss Brooks. Goodbye,
3: boys. <laughs> Hello,
11: Miss Brooks. I'm afraid I didn't even see you.
9: I can't understand it. All you had to do was look through the baseball, hockey, and track teams, and there I
3: was. (laughs) Now,
9: as a rule, I don't butt into my students' personal life, but since you're new at Madison and your popularity with the boys is so spectacular, I thought it only fair to warn you.
11: Warning? About what?
9: About Walter Denton. Don't you see, Dolores, the quickest way to lose your popularity is by running around with the wrong crowd. And as far as you're concerned, Walter Denton is definitely the wrong crowd.
11: Miss Brooks, I'm beginning to smell a rat.
9: Oh, now, he's not that bad.
11: <laughs> I think Harriet Conklin put you up to this entire conversation.
9: Why, Dolores Roberts, how can you make such a fantastically accurate charge?
11: <laughs> I mean,
9: you mustn't think that I'm Excuse trying Excuse
11: to... me for interrupting, Miss Brooks, but you can just tell Harriet Conklin for me... That all fair in love and war.
9: Oh, but, Dolores, Harriet
11: do should have known better than to ask for help. That's where women like you and me are so superior. Nobody hears you yelping in pain just because Mr. Boynton's been over to see my mother every night this past week.
3: Yikes!
9: <laughs> He's been over to see your mother? Yes. Didn't you know? No, Dolores, I didn't. But as you say, all's fair in love and war. Well, after learning that Mr. Boynton had spent every evening of the past week with the mother of Dolores, men-or-such-children Roberts, I was about ready to hit the ceiling, preferably with Mr. Boynton's head. But when I met him for lunch in the school cafeteria, I had calmed down considerably. And it was apparent that he wanted to be forgiven for breaking our date on the previous night.
8: I'm sorry I broke that date with you last night, Miss Brooks, but it was unavoidable. After all, when somebody new comes to your town, you want to make them feel at home. You want to make them feel at home. I want to make them wish they'd stayed home. (laughs) Oh, I know you've been
9: seeing Dolores
8: Roberts' mother. Well, the truth of the matter is that I've been giving Mrs. Roberts driving lessons.
9: Well, not that I'm interested, but what happened after you were through giving her lessons?
8: Well, somehow or other, we just seem to wind up in her living room.
9: Oh, I see. First you give lessons, then you get lessons.
3: <laughs> that is,
9: going to someone's living room to finish your driving instruction doesn't seem like a necessity to me.
8: Well, with Phoebe, it is. Uh, I mean, well, well, this isn't fair, Miss Brooks. Actually, Mrs. Roberts doesn't mean a thing to me.
9: I'll bet she doesn't, good old Phoebe. <laughs>
8: Now, please, you should know that when it comes to anything really important, the first person I think of is you.
9: You do, Mr. Boynton?
8: Of course I do. Take tonight, for instance. I've got something of an extremely personal nature to attend to, and you're the only one I'd ever ask to help me.
9: Oh, really, Mr. Boynton? What do you want me to do tonight?
8: Well, Millie, one of my favorite white mice, died yesterday. I thought you'd help me bury her. (laughs)
9: romantic fool, you. <laughs> well, you picked the right assistant, Connie Brooks, the friendly undertaker.
8: Now, don't tease me about it. I was very fond of that mouse, and she died in the interest of science.
9: Well, where are you going to bury her?
8: In that little patch of ground behind the athletic field, you know, where I put Agnes and Mabel, all the guinea pigs and mice whom I consider martyrs for the March of Science. <laughs> but I'm practically finished, and you're not even touching your lunch, Miss Brooks.
9: There's something about this conversation that's not conducive to eating a cheese sandwich. <laughs> tell me, Mr. Boynton, does Mr. Conklin know about this secret burial plot of yours?
8: Oh, certainly not, Miss Brooks. He'd never condone using school property for such a purpose. As a matter of fact, he's getting a bit suspicious. He came by my lab only this morning and wanted to know what the shovel was doing there. What did you tell him? You were waiting for a gold rush? <laughs> no, I just said I was going to do some planning.
9: Well, that beats lying. <laughs> Looks like we're having company for lunch. Walter Denton's coming over.
12: Salutations, most erudite faculty
9: members. Never mind the flattery, Walter. Your final exams will still be judged on their
12: merits. Oh, there's nothing like building up a little backlog of goodwill. Well, I completed the wooden box for Millie in shop class, Mr. Boynton. Oh,
8: thanks a lot, Walter. Miss Brooks is going to help out tonight, too. Now, if you'll both excuse me for a moment, I'm going to get some milk. Uh, You want something, Miss Brooks?
12: No,
9: I've still got this donut to toy with, Mr. Boynton. Thanks.
8: I'll see you later, then.
12: A swell guy, Mr. Boynton. Salt of the earth.
9: Yes, he has been a little salty lately. (laughs) Which reminds me, Walter, I hear you're something of a Don Juan yourself these days. Don Juan? Me? You're not going to deny your interest in a certain Dolores Roberts, are you? Deny
12: it? My aye, aye, Dolores (laughs) Kill dish So you are smitten Oh, I I wouldn't say I'm smitten It's just that whenever she comes near me My undershirt crawls up and down my back like a Venetian blind
3: (laughs) That's a good way
12: to judge a girl's
9: appeal Look, Walter. You'll have to excuse me now. I see Harriet leaving the cafeteria, and
12: I want a word with her before she goes. Oh, better you than me, Miss Brooks. Harriet's a bit miffed at me these days, but I'll make it up to her after she cools off. Yeah, I'm sure you will, Walter. See you later. In okay, Miss Brooks, and thanks for being so understanding.
9: It's my specialty. Uh,
10: Harriet, Harriet Conklin. Oh, hi, Miss Brooks. How did you make out in your little talk with Dolores this morning?
9: All I accomplished, Harriet, was to find out that you and I are in the same boat. Mm -hmm. Mr. Boynton's been going with the mother and Walter with the daughter.
10: Well, listen, Miss Brooks, we've got to put our heads together and think of a way out. Can I come over to your place tonight?
9: Tonight? No, Harriet, I've got something to do tonight. I'm helping Mr. Boynton bury Millie. (laughs) Beg pardon? It's his latest scientific casualty. Millie's a white mouse, and I promised I'd help him bury her next to Agnes and Mabel behind the athletic field. Oh, but you mustn't breathe a word of this to your father. He doesn't know about it.
10: Oh, don't worry, Miss Brooks. I won't tell Daddy anything. If Mr. Boynton's going to... Wait a minute. I've got it. I think I've got the perfect plan.
9: What is it, Harry?
10: I'll tell you later, Miss Brooks. What What an idea! What an idea! <laughs> Sure, we're alone in the house, Mrs. Robert. Why, yes, Harriet. Why? Well, I don't like to barge in on people like this, but since you're new in town and you've been seeing Mister Boynton, I thought I'd better put you on your guard. On my guard? Yes, I wouldn't want you to end up the way Agnes and Millie and the other women in his life did. What are you talking about? What happened to them? That's what the FBI would like to know. <laughs> the FBI? In the past five years, almost every woman who's gone out with Mr. Boynton has disappeared. Well, this is preposterous. Someone must have some notions to where those women can be found. Oh, we've got a notion all right, but I'm afraid you'd have to dig up half the athletic field to prove anything. However, you could prove something to yourself tonight. Tonight? Huh. Well, as I say, his latest girlfriend, Millie, disappeared just a few days ago. And this morning I heard Mr. Boynton say he had a little work to do behind the athletic field tonight. So, a word to the wise, Mrs. Roberts. A word to the wise. What an idea. What
13: an idea. Hello, Principal's Office, Osgood Conklin himself speaking. What can I do for you, Mrs. Roberts? What? What do I know about Mr. Boynton's private life? Well, outside of the fact that he's going with one of our teachers, a Miss Brooks, I'm afraid. I don't know anything. What's that? Has she disappeared? (laughs) No such luck. (laughs) Uh, I I, I mean, of, of course she hasn't disappeared. Who? Agnes? Millie? never mentioned them to me. Why? They've all vanished. But what happened to them? Oh. Oh, I, I see. He buried them all near the athletic field. <laughs> well, that's a very simple matter. He
3: buried them all near the athletic field! <laughs> but, Mrs.
13: Roberts, this is positive. Wait, wait, wait a minute. He did have a shovel in his laboratory this morning. I But be- What? Tonight? Yes, yes, of course, Mrs. Roberts. What an idea. What an idea.
8: Well, because of Harriet Conklin's little story, Mrs. Roberts and Mr. Conklin suspected that they might have a bluebeard in their midst. A bluebeard who's been burying his victims all over the school athletic field. However, later that night, all that Miss Brooks and Mr. Boynton are doing is burying his pet mouse, Millie. There, there, we're almost finished. Now I'll just smooth out this dirt a bit.
9: Well, if you'll excuse me a minute, Mr. Boynton, I'd like to look for a stone to mark Millie's final resting place.
8: Good idea, Miss Brooks. I'll have this job done by the time you're back. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, My buddy, your buddy. Oh, just a few more pets. Well, good evening, Boynton. Mr. Conklin, huh, uh, what are you doing here at this time of night? My question
13: exactly, Boynton. What are you doing here at this time of night?
8: Well, sir, now that you've caught me with the good, so to speak, I might as well confess the truth. I'm burying Millie. <laughs> burying Millie? It's true. Well, I didn't think you'd really mind, Mr. Conklin. <laughs> you didn't what?
3: Well,
8: <laughs> oh, I meant once you got used to the idea. Poison, <laughs> do you mean to tell me?
9: Yeah, I going you? found a rock almost. Why, Mr. Conklin.
8: Miss Brooks, what are you doing here?
9: Well, I... Uh, oh, it's
8: it's all right, uh, Miss Brooks. Mr. Conklin knows about it. Of course, as I suspected, he doesn't wholly approve of what I'm doing. Doesn't wholly approve. I abhor what you're doing. But, the, but is is Miss Brooks in on this, too? Oh, sure. I
9: usually help him with the digging.
3: <laughs>
13: usually? Then there were others besides Millie.
9: Oh, yes, at least a dozen. A dozen? A dozen?
8: Well, I, I hate to quibble with you, Miss Brooks, but... I'd say there are closer to two dozen scattered around here.
13: Two dozen? Buried under my athletic field? (laughs) Boynton, why? Why did you do it? Well, you couldn't expect him
9: to leave them lying around his lab, could you?
13: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, quiet!
8: Don't you feel any remorse, Boynton? Well, naturally, sir. When you're as close to them as I was, you hate to see them go.
9: Particularly this last one, Millie, with her fuzzy white ears and beady little eyes. (laughs)
8: Oh, she certainly was a lively one, all right.
9: I'll say she was lively. Couldn't keep her still a minute. She was always hopping all over the place. But, you know, I think Agnes and Harry
8: were just as cute. Harry? Yes, we were wild about Harry.
9: And Harry was wild about... Oh, silence!
10: (laughs) Yes, this
13: man doesn't care whom he
14: poisons.
9: Well, Mr. Hello, Mrs. Roberts. Keep your eye on the road, Phoebe.
3: <laughs>
10: it isn't true about Millie and the others, is it, Mr. Conklin?
8: Gosh, do you know about it, too? bad news sure travels fast. I'm afraid it is true, Mrs.
13: Roberts.
9: If you're here to help with the digging, you're too late.
3: <laughs>
9: Who
13: is this? Uh, this is Miss Brooks. She assists him. <laughs>
10: So unbelievable.
14: Uh, how many were there?
13: He says twenty-four. Oh,
14: twenty-four.
9: Give a dozen, take a dozen. <laughs>
14: well,
12: I can't believe that well, that... oh, everyone, I Oh, Mr. Conklin, Mrs. Roberts. What are you doing here?
13: Never mind that, Denton. What are you doing here?
12: Oh, I came over to see if I could lend a hand. <laughs> you
13: mean you know what's going on, too?
12: Oh, yes, sir. Oh yeah, I consider it a privilege to study under a master like Mr. Boynton. In fact, uh, I'm seriously considering following in his footsteps.
13: Uh, this is beyond belief.
12: Oh, and to think I let my little
14: girl go out with this with this monster! Well, I've heard all I need to. I'm removing my daughter from this school immediately, Mr. Conklin. Oh, but Missus. I Constance. wouldn't risk her life on
10: my own with these fiends another minute. <laughs> And as far as I'm concerned, if we can leave this town by tomorrow, we'll do it. Good night.
12: Uh, Mrs. Roberts, wait, wait. wait.
10: Oh, uh... let her go,
12: Mr. Conklin. She's too excitable. Too
3: excitable! (laughs) (laughs) She must be
12: to carry on that way about a few white
9: mice and guinea pigs. White mice and... You mean that's what you've been burying out here? White mice and guinea pigs? What did you think we were burying? People? (laughs)
3: You don't have to answer
9: that question, Mr. Conklin We know
13: that's what you thought
9: And Mrs. Roberts thinks the same thing
13: Well, if that's the case, I've got to stop her, tell her the truth Oh,
9: no, you don't Your daughter Harriet concocted this idea Because she didn't like the attention Walter was paying to Dolores If you try to explain to Mrs. Roberts now She'll think you were in on the scheme Me? But
13: why should she think that?
9: Why? All together, boys
3: because that's
13: what we'll tell her. Our Miss Brooks, starring Eve Arden, was produced and
1: directed by Larry Burns, written by Arthur Arlsberg and Al Lewis, with the music of Lud Bluskin. Mr. Conklin was played by Gail Gordon. This program came to you from the Frankfurt studios of the American Forces Network Europe and was prepared for rebroadcast over this network by specialist Rich
0: Kruelman.
2: Everyone, this is OTR Rob. Welcoming you to another edition of the Fred Allen Show. This is from the Texaco Star Theater from October 11th in 1942, and Wee Bonnie Baker is on the show. She was a jazz singer primarily, and she was discovered by Louis Armstrong, and who she auditioned for Louis and suggested it to the band leader that he was working for to hire Wee Bonnie Baker. And uh, the reason why she's known as Wee Bonnie Baker is because she's only four foot eleven inches tall, and she was active from 1936 to 1965, singing almost clear up till her death, just about 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 five years short of that. So Wee Bonnie Baker's on the show, a very nice, pleasant-sounding young girl. And I know you'll like her, and I know you'll like Fred Allen. Enjoy.
7: Time with Fred Allen, Roland Young, Wee Bonnie Baker, Portland Hopper, and Al Goodman and his orchestra. This is Arthur Godfrey saying you're welcome for Texaco dealers from coast to coast. Welcome to the Texaco Star Theater and to Texaco Dealers' wholehearted help in keeping that car of yours going for the transportation you've got to have. Your Texaco dealer has the skill and the Texaco quality product. They're yours for more miles for your car. His Marfac 40-point chassis lubrication protects every vital chassis part against excessive wear. And especially nowadays, when every mile counts, uses high-quality gasoline Texaco Fire Chief or Premium Texaco Sky Chief. In short, make a Texaco dealer your car warden and see him regularly. It's his job to help you care for your car for your country. And now, ladies and gentlemen... There's only one comedian in radio you can tune in during a blackout who isn't bright enough to violate the law. And here he is, Fred Allen, in person.
5: Thank you, and good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Well, Arthur, how do you like
7: your job? This announcing's a new racket to me, Fred. I never realized an announcer had so much to do. Oh, yes. You know, on a program like this, Arthur,
5: the announcer is as busy as a short-tailed cow in fly time. But I should make it a short arm traffic cop for the city, I guess. arm joke. You know, besides opening the program, the announcer has to read the commercials. He has to run down the aisle and tickle the audience, Arthur. He has to laugh at the jokes, sweep out the theater, and we're through. Do you think you're going to like it? There's
7: just one thing, Fred. Yes, Arthur? About my salary. Well, that's all settled. I'll
5: pay you the same as you got last week. Wait a
7: minute. Last week, you said it was an audition, and I worked for nothing.
5: (laughs) Well, I know, but this week, don't forget, the president froze all salaries as of last
3: week.
7: So you are all set for the duration. Gee, it's lucky I got a sideline. Peanuts,
3: popcorn, <laughs>
5: And while Brother Godfrey passes among us with his wares, let us turn in Toto to the latest news of the week. The March of Trivia presents its weekly lowlight from the world of news. New York City, New York. In a sweeping effort to stamp out gambling in Manhattan... Mayor orders police to arrest bookmakers and tinhorn horse players and to clean up all the city's gambling resorts. To check on the crusade's results, the March of Trivia questions several victims of horse betting bans. First, odds on Oscar, a prominent bookmaker says, <laughs> On behalf of New York's 16,000 bookmakers, I want to thank the mayor for showing us the error of our way. We are true with bookmakers.
3: <laughs> We're going
5: straight. Well, what are you, uh, what are you bookmakers doing now? We're selling numbers.
3: <laughs> well, have
5: you, have you, uh, quit making book personally, Oscar? Yeah. I experimented, camouflaging me joints. But it was no go. Well, how, uh, how do you mean? Well, I tried making book in a pet shop. Making book in a pet shop, huh? Yeah, I had a parrot hanging outside. You whispered your bet to the parrot, the parrot would tell it to me. Oh, I see. Well, the police finally caught up with you, huh?
12: Yeah, I got away
5: lucky. The parrot got 20 years.
3: <laughs>
5: that, that was the end of the pet shop. Yeah, then I opened up a delicatessen on 47th Street. You were making book in a delicatessen? Uh huh. In the window, I had a big smoked tongue. Oh, a smoked tongue in the window, and inside the store? On the counter, I had two dill pickles and 17 telephones. <laughs> What, uh, what happened with the delicatessen? I got raided last night. I was lucky to get away. I got tipped off. Well, who tipped you off? When the cops come to the door, yeah. the tongue in the window yells, cheese <laughs> well, it The man who built a better mousetrap knew how to cheese it, too. And thank you, our Don Oscar. A plain-clothes officer who led a gambling raid, a successful gambling raid, was commando detective Shimmick Ball. Why, Tuesday alone, I made 600 arrests. The axles on a patrol wagon was red hot.
3: What? <laughs>
5: what was your outstanding arrest, detective Ball? Well, uh, in a vacant store on 8th Avenue, I seen 20 men kneeling down on a cycle. Looked like a crap game. And it wasn't? When I got inside, there was no dice. What did you do? I says, look, if this ain't no dice game, what are you 20 guys doing down on your knees? And?
14: They says, we're saying goodbye to a midget. He's been drafted. What, uh,
5: what did you do? I knelt down and shook hands with the midget. He rattled. You mean? The midget swallowed the dice. (laughs) He was nearer to them, perhaps. Well, no kidding. Yeah, I had a X-ray The judge him thirty days. Well, it won't hurt a midget to go up for a stretch. And thank you, Detective Jimmy Ball. A young lady, a young lady who has uh, has some definite opinions on gambling is Miss Veronica Buxbaum. How do you feel about this new gaming crusade, Veronica?
14: Frankly, I would say the elimination of gambling should be done of you.
5: Are you, uh, are you unlucky?
14: Hitler should have mine luck.
5: <laughs> well, what, uh, why are you so set against gambling?
14: Thanks to gambling, today Veronica Buxbaum is our spinister.
5: <laughs> what, uh, tell me what happened.
14: Well, for seven years, I'm keeping company with a gambler.
5: A gambler, huh?
14: He's calling himself Lucky Feintryban.
5: Uh Was he really lucky?
14: Lucky? At pinball, he is winning without tilting.
5: <laughs> was that why that's uncanny?
14: He is asking me to marry. I'm saying yes, always lucky is lucky.
5: They, uh, was the wedding date said?
14: Everything is hot to talk. hot sa huh? Then Lucky is starting to gamble.
5: Gamble with whom?
14: Place the jeweler. Lucky is matching for the ring. He is winning. Yes? Next, the license clerk. Lucky is tossing for the $2, double or nothing. Again, he's winning.
3: Yeah?
14: Ask Klein, Lucky is tossing for my trousseau. Really? There is winning. With two pounds rice.
5: With the true soul. You are all, uh, you are, you are all set for the nuptials.
14: Not only this, the wedding is ready also.
5: <laughs> Fine.
14: I am quitting Bloomingdale. I'm giving Lucky $200. This should be my dowry. And
5: your wedding day arrived?
14: That morning, Lucky is getting a notice from his draft board. Yeah, yeah. Something, uh,
5: something happened.
14: He is gambling.
5: Well, how do you mean?
14: Lucky is betting the draft board. Mom, $200. Seven to five, they're not catching him. And? Today at Bloomingdale's, I am back. Yeah. At the draft board is Mom, $200. And at Fort Dix is Lucky Feintriver.
5: He's private Feintriver, hey?
14: The next time I am seeing Private Pine but what I am telling him wouldn't be so private. Well,
5: <laughs> looks like the private is in for some corporal punishment. <laughs> and thank you, Miss Veronica Well, I guess that takes care. Harry, but... pray, old jackanapes, false staffs here with jibes and japes. Openshaw, not again. The Ogden Nash of Flash is at your service. <laughs> You have folded some new oaths, have you? Have you heard, was it malice, Alice, when you stomped upon my callus?
3: <laughs> no,
5: I haven't heard that. It was strictly
7: entre nous, so I showed her my tattoo?
3: <laughs>
7: no, I haven't heard that. They wouldn't have taken mother away in the scrap drive
5: if she hadn't shown her metal? Now wait. It so happen. we, we have been talking about the mayor's crusade on gambling. Precisely
7: why I am here. I have written a song. Oh, fine. I have brought the Mineola Mini-Singers with me to render it. Oh, these,
5: these are the Mineola Mini-Singers here?
7: Yes. The uh, little man was formerly
5: Charles of John Charles and Thomas. Oh, And this uh, other chap? Oh, he is an entity by choice. Well, it's all right with me. I won't cry. Uh, tell me, can we have them sing this horse song of yours? I'll uh, feel them out. I wish you
7: would. Are we in caroling mood, gentlemen? Yes, yes Mr. Mr. Openshaw. Very well. Let us have our horse lament. East side, west side, all around the town. You can't bet a horse to win or play. All the bookies
5: are closed down. The tin horn sports and brass mouth
7: have been told to take a walk. You
14: can be pinked with a Charlie Hawk on the sidewalk of New York. Thank you, boys.
3: Thank, thank
5: you. Thank you. And from, and from the Mineola Minnesingers, ladies and gentlemen, we turn to our guest chantous this evening, Wee Bonnie Baker. Well, how are you, uh, this evening, Miss Baker?
11: I'm fine, thank you, Mr. Allen.
5: I hear that you became engaged to Lieutenant, uh, Aaron Tucker today. Bonnie, Wendy, it may we be the first to congratulate you. Don't mind, do you? Thank you
3: very much. You.
5: Would you, uh, tell me, would you rather, on, on this festive evening, would you rather sing something for me, or would you like to have me sing something for you?
11: I think I would enjoy hearing you sing.
5: Well, you'd be the only one, Bonnie. <laughs> I think I'll leave the chanting up to you. Now, what would you like to sing?
11: I get the necks of the chickens.
5: Oh boy, you're lucky. You should see what I get from Lindy personally. <laughs>
11: Mr. Goodman, if you will. I get the neck of a chicken. I get the rumble seat ride. I get the leaky umbrella. Everyone shoves me aside. When I jump in my shower each morning, sure I say I'm too late. All the hot water is gone I get the neck of the chicken I get the hand-me-down show And when there's company weekend I get the couch in the hall That's why I can't get over this dream that's come true If I get the neck of the chicken How did I ever get you? I get the neck of a chicken, I get the burnt piece of toast, I get the seat in a movie, smack o' in back of a post. When morning papers come to the door. Sure I say I'm too late, and they're mine, long about four. I get the die with the glasses. Wearing an awful toupee, somebody else gets the victim a tour. Mine's always strictly foray That's why I can't get over this. Fine, how to do, do if I get the neck of the chicken? Well. How
5: Mrs. Tucker,
7: that was very nice. Mrs. To be. No, 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 let me go. Don't do that. Come along, brother, right up to the now mic. wait here, just right? a
5: minute. What is this, Arthur? Who is this gentleman you're dragging up here by the scruff of the pantaloons
7: there? This character, Mr. Allen, is a rubber shrugger. Well, what is a rubber shrugger? A rubber shrugger? A rubber shrugger? Grapes, nuts, flesh. what <laughs> <laughs> I'm a rubber shrugger yeah. is a guy that just shrugs when you tell him about wasting rubber. Uh-huh.
5: Now who was wasting rubber? I was only
7: driving my car. At 60 miles an hour you were driving. That's why I borrowed you from that cop. Oh. Look, brother. Do you realize that when you drive at 60, you wear out your tires twice as fast as you do at 35?
9: Twice as fast? No kidding.
7: No, not only no kidding. <laughs> not only no kidding. You keep it up and you'll have no tires.
5: So what? I see by the papers I can get no tires now.
7: Yeah, yeah, but you may also have noticed that to get new tires, you'll have to drive under 35 and give your tires proper care. Oh. And 60 per is not proper care. No. You've got to remember that your car and my car and everybody's car is a part of the stream of transportation that takes America to work and to school and to market. Uh-huh. If you let your tires go bluey, you're just not going to be allowed to buy new ones and your car's going to be out of action. And if everybody does that, Gonna slow the whole country down.
5: I say, I never thought of that. I'll stay under thirty-five from now atta on. At a
7: boy, at a boy. And listen, you know, you know when your car passed me with those squeaks? It sounded like breakfast time in a bird shop.
5: No kidding.
7: Now, if you, if you'll pardon the plug, <laughs> you permit the plug. You, you should drive into your Texaco dealer for his Marfac forty-point chassis lubrication service and get those squeaks out. Uh. That Marfac service really protects your car. And while you're there, remember. Nowadays, when every mile counts, it's smarter than ever to use your Texaco dealer's high quality gasoline, Texaco Fire Chief, or premium Texaco Sky Chief.
5: interrupt Mr. Goodman's rendition of Kalamazoo at this time. It was sung earlier tonight by Mr. Phil Harris, who sounds like Skinny Innis on key.
3: Mr. Goodman,
5: Mr. Goodman didn't quite get the Kalamazoo. The song stopped two bars this side of Battle Creek. Uh,
3: Mr. uh, Alice! Well, Portland. (laughs)
5: Now, this is a fine time to show up, Portland. You know, we're only on for half an hour this year. Now, if you come any later than this, you know you're going to start showing up in the middle of Phil Baker's take-it-or-leave-it program. Uh, what? How come you're so tardy? Well,
11: I was overtaking Mama her lunch.
5: Lunch? Well, it's almost 10 o'clock.
11: I know.
14: Mama's on the night shift.
5: The night shift where?
14: Mama's a welder in the Brooklyn Navy Yard. Uh- She's wearing goggles and slacks.
5: Well, your bu- your mother had better not bend over in those slacks. Somebody'll hit her with a bottle and launch your mother for an invasion. <laughs> well, now, uh, how is your mother doing on uh, doing on the job over there?
14: The first day, Mama welded her foreman to the superintendent. <laughs>
5: well, that's good. They'll get paid double time from now on. <laughs> the
14: shipyards are building both faster every day. Oh,
5: I know that. You know, Henry Kaiser's building boats so fast that workers in the yard think they have a stigmatism, and it's only portholes going by.
14: (laughs) (laughs) They're building all kinds of new boats, too. Well, there
5: isn't anything new in the way of boats, Portland. You know, all the boats you see today are mentioned in that book, Around the World in 80 Days. You know who wrote Around the World in 80 Days?
14: Wendell (laughs) Wilkie?
3: Wendell
5: will do better than that if he doesn't stop to talk. You know, the way Wendell... The way Wendell is, uh, Say, somebody's at the door. Come in. Yes? Is this the Texaco canteen? Why, it's Roland Young. I hope I'm not too late, old oh boy. Uh, too late for what, Mr. Young? show isn't over, is it? Looking at you, I would say yes, Mr. <laughs> You, uh, you have something in mind? Yes, the sponsor sent me over. It's about your first show last week. Oh, did you hear our opening program last Sunday? Yes. Bit of the old P.U. What? (laughs) You're, uh, well, you're not supposed to smell radio programs, Mr. Young. You're supposed to listen to them. But a radio program coming out of a loudspeaker has to pass the nose to get to the ears. (laughs) So? Your program last Sunday didn't quite make it.
3: <laughs> Did, uh, you say
5: our sponsor sent you over? Yes, I'm here to whip things into shape, start the ball rolling, give the proceedings a bit of the old rooty too. Oh, you, you have some changes for the show in mind, have you? Mm-hmm. First, we'll have to get rid of this orchestra. Oh, now, wait.
3: <laughs> you, uh, you can't
5: break up Mr. Goodman's band. Why, this is the only chance Mr. Goodman has to see his whole family together.
7: (laughs) His music is icky. Strictly
5: long hair. What this show needs is a jive combo—a band with some real swingaroo. Swingaroo? You you know of such a band? Just got the man, Rodney Smith Bennington, and
7: his gut bucket (laughs) gondolier. Oh,
5: no. Rodney Smith Beddington and his gut bucket gondoliers, you say? They're playing in a little tea shop on 57th Street. Well, look, Mr. Young, if they're if they're happy in the tea shop. No, no, Rodney wants to get away. People are always throwing wet tea bags into the French horn. Well, he uh, he won't like it here with a French horn. Our audience chews tobacco, Mr. <laughs> People are, uh... Well, if the band is the only change you have in mind, Mr. Young... No, I have a few pointers for you, too, old boy. Oh, about my, uh... About my comedy? Yes, after all, let's face it, old man. You are the corny type, you know. I am corny, you say? Definitely, but stiff a lip, old boy. With a little... Little training, you can be a second Red Skelton. Red
3: Skelton?
5: Well, what has Red Skelton got that I couldn't have lifted?
7: He dooted old boy. You didn't.
3: <laughs>
5: Why, I have been a comedian for 30 years.
7: Well, that's just it. <laughs> just the point is about time you were getting some new jokes.
5: New jokes and radio? I'll rip off a screamer to give you an idea, right? So oh, you have jokes? Well, what is this screamer you have? You say to me, I speak six dead languages. All right. I, uh, I speak six dead languages. It's too bad I'm not a corpse, old boy. I'd have a long talk with you. (laughs) Very, very, very clever. That's what this program needs. More of that sort of thing. Well, tell me, Mr. Young, how did you acquire your flair for the trite? Oh, I, I come from a theatrical family. Oh, yes. You know, I've seen your family crest. It's a ham rampant on a field of catcalls. I've seen it many times. My grandfather was on the stage years ago. Oh, your grandfather was an actor? Yes, he died left in the state of one bamboo cane, 40 Pullman towels, a book of bad press notices, and a piece of nose putty. A bit of nose putty, huh? And that's why you... Uh... <laughs> that's why you... I'm looking ahead to next week's show, Mr. Young. <laughs> <laughs> that's why uh... That's why you went into the theater? Yes, I got my first job in London. Acting? Not exactly.
7: I was hired to beat the woodpeckers off the Herbert Beerbohm tree. Oh, you beat the woodpeggers?
5: You're really then you're really a self-made man.
7: Yes, but if I had to do it over again, I
5: think I'd call in somebody. <laughs> I see your point. Well, tell me, Mister Young, now that you've uh, allow, uh, now that you've fixed up my program, are you uh, are you going back to Hollywood?
7: No, I'm here in New York to do a play. Oh, a drama? No, it is a romantic trifle. You know, Act One, El- Esmeralda, I love you. Act two,
5: Malcolm, you can't do this to me. Act three, he does. Quick (laughs) curtain. Sounds rather interesting. It's strange that you're coming here, Mr. Young. You know, I've been thinking of going to Hollywood. Charlie Lawton was here last week and told us that most of the glamour boys are in the army and leading men are scarce.
7: That's true, Fred. At your age, you should get plenty of work out there.
5: Why, I hear that they're casting W.C. Fields in the next Andy Hardy picture. It's called Love Finds Andy Hardy, but it's too late. You know W.C. Fields, of course. Yes, I saw Bill just before I left Hollywood. Well, how is the old boy? Bill's doctor, made him give up drinking brandy. It was giving him the shakes. Well, how does Bill look uh, better? Definitely worse. He looks he looks worse after giving up the brandy? Yes, the shakes were the only exercise Bill ever got. <laughs> well, I uh, I haven't seen Bill in a picture lately. What is he doing these days? Bill's too busy to make pictures. He's in great demand at all the ship launching. Oh, you mean he christens the ships? When they run out of champagne, yes. As the ship slides down into the water, yes. Bill breathes on the hull. (laughs) The last time, the last time I saw Bill out in Hollywood, he breathed on me and removed four spots from my vest. (laughs) I see he didn't get them all. (laughs) But tell me, are you enjoying your stay here in New York? i have been having quite a bit of trouble, Fred. I can't get anything to eat here. Can't eat? Why all the restaurants have those dollar dinners? My trouble. All those dollar dinners start with a shrimp cocktail, and if there's anything I can't stand, it is a shrimp cocktail. Well, you don't have to eat the shrimp cocktail. Oh, Roland. don't I? Come with me, and I'll show you what happens. All right. There's a little place around the corner here called Pierre's. Let's go. Oh. Pierre's. How many, please? A table for two. Ah, here we are. Thank you. And here are your menus, gentlemen. Thank you. Thank you. You'll find Pierre's dollar dinner very nice, gentlemen. That's how it always starts, Fred. Well, now what happens, Roland? Well, the waitress generally shows up now.
14: Did you, Gents, give your orders?
5: No, we're just looking over the menu, Miss.
14: The dollar dinner is the speciality of Pierre's.
5: (laughs) We'd rather order a la carte.
14: You can't order a la carte. It confuses the (laughs) chef. What's yours, mister? Well, I'm not
5: eating. I just came in with my friend here. Then give
14: me back the napkin. Uh. What's yours, mister?
5: I'll have the dollar dinner.
14: It's delicious. Which appetizer will you have, herring or shrimp cocktail?
5: I don't like shrimp cocktail. I'll take this herring.
14: We're all out of herring. All we got is shrimp cocktail. <laughs>
5: All right, I'll take the dollar dinner without the shrimp cocktail.
14: Without the shrimp cocktail, it ain't the dollar dinner. Now,
5: look, miss, please, bring it in. Just bring it in. I'll eat the shrimp cocktail.
14: That makes it a la carte. We don't save a la carte. It confuses the chef. Now,
5: look, look. My friend here doesn't like shrimp cocktails. No, shrimps give me vertigo. Yes, I will eat the shrimp cocktail on his dollar dinner. Now, what's the difference?
14: There's a big difference. If you eat the shrimp cocktail, it ain't his dollar dinner no more. Well, all I want... If you want a shrimp cocktail, you gotta get your own dollar dinner. Well, I don't want to eat. So what are you putting in for? Uh- <laughs> <laughs> this
5: is what happens every time, Fred. Well, I'll straighten this thing out, Roland. Miss, call the head waiter, please.
14: Okay. Later, D! Yes, Maisie? These gentlemen. Oh,
5: yes, sir. What seems to be the trouble? I'm ordering the dollar dinner. Ah, you'll start with the shrimp cocktail, of course. I don't want the shrimp cocktail. All my friend here wants is the dollar dinner without the shrimp cocktail. Oh, without the shrimp yes. cocktail. Well, that'll be the 65-cent merchant special. Yes, well, that sounds bully. Bring me the merchant special. Very good, sir. We're having a surprise entree on the merchant special today. It comes with crevettes en glas. What is that crevettes en glace? Shrimp cocktail. <laughs> But I can't eat the shrimp cocktail. Well, what do you want with a 65 cents in a goldfish? Now wait a minute. Wait a minute, you tuxedo jerk. This man here is hungry. You have got more food on your dicky than he has had to eat in the last three days.
3: Now, wait a minute.
5: Don't yell at me. I don't own the place. I only work here. I ain't got no authority. You'll have to see the chef. Well, get the chef in here. Yes, sir. Hey,
14: chef! Hey, que voulez-vous? Toujours les arguments. I, I am a stealthy chef. What is the difficulty you see?
5: No difficulty, old boy. I merely ordered the dollar dinner. We oui. Can he get the dollar dinner?
14: We
2: oui.
5: Without the shrimp cocktail?
2: Without
14: shrimp cocktail, no. It is impossible. But well, why does he have to have the shrimp cocktail? Look, I myself, the chef, am personally to prepare the shrimp cocktail. Who is not eating the shrimp cocktail is making insult to me. But I can't eat shrimp. They give him vertigo. Who think? are you? I wouldn't cook for you. <laughs> no, Monsieur, <laughs> not I should
5: think I was Laval the way he went out Come of me. here. Come Come on, Fred, let's go. Now, wait a minute, Roland. I'll get the owner of this joint. Waitress, miss. Yes, sir? Get the Frenchman who owns this place out here.
14: Hey, Pierre! Always a
5: mismatch. Who is calling
3: Pierre? <laughs>
5: stop his cooking. Nothing's cooking. That's the trouble. Yes, my friend here wants something to eat. So he'll eat. Who's stopping him? Pierre has taken the order. My friend wants the dollar dinner.
0: So stop yelling. He'll get a dollar dinner. Boy, is
5: coming out Three <laughs> cocktail but he wants the dollar dinner without the shrimp cocktail. Yes, I couldn't do it. With the dollar dinner, has got to come in shrimp cocktail. But I can't eat the shrimp cocktail. Listen.
14: <laughs> Listen, buddy. On the dollar dinner, my own brother has got to eat shrimp cocktail. Yeah.
5: So what? This man is faint.
14: He got hungry. I didn't send for him. I'm
5: starving. You've got to give him something to eat. If he wouldn't eat shrimp cocktail, he's breaking off our dinner. Then Pierre is closing up tonight. He will have one trim cocktail left over. My books wouldn't it. I should go through life always with one trim cocktail but left you, over? you must have something in the kitchen you can give him. Yes, I'll take anything, even raw meat. Okay, raw meat I could give you. At last, Roland, now you're all set. Good. Give me an order of raw meat. Coming up.
0: One raw meat.
3: Raw meat. Raw meat. Raw meat. Raw meat. cocktail. Thank you.
5: Next Sunday night, ladies and gentlemen, our singing guest will be Vinay Venuda from the Broadway hit by Jupiter, and our featured guest will be Mr. Austin Wells. And now, Arthur, have you anything to add?
7: Just a scrap, Fred. The scrap piles in every city are mounting higher and higher, but more and more is needed. You see, practically everything we need to win this war is made one half from scrap metal. Tank planes aircraft carriers everything throw so your scrap into the fight. Uh, thank you, Arthur. This is
5: Fred Allen speaking for Texaco dealers from coast to coast. Reminding you to drive under thirty-five to save rubber and to drive into your Texaco dealer regularly to have your tires checked. Remember, you're welcome. Good night.
14: This is the Columbia Broadcasting System.
2: Seating has been
3: (laughs) Radio Production.